0: Would please stand for the reading of the Word of God. The book of James, chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Back in 2009, two professors and researchers at the University of California, San Diego, published a paper trying to discern whether or not wisdom has a neurological basis. In other words, they tried to set out and scientifically study wisdom. And instead, what they found is that wisdom is difficult to comprehend. Quote, they said, there are several major definitions of wisdom and no single definition is all inclusive and embraces every aspect of wisdom. In other words, wisdom is too broad. It's too broad to even study, but this is what they could agree on. This is what they said about wisdom. They said wisdom is uniquely human. Wisdom is a form of advanced cognitive and emotional development. Wisdom is a personal quality, and it's quite rare. Wisdom can be learned and perhaps gained through experience. And then my personal favorite. Wisdom is probably not enhanced by taking medication. <laughs> and I love, I love the, they're just kind of leaving it open. Just, just maybe we could find something that if you could take a pill, now you're wise. See, the, the search for wisdom is nothing new. Entire discipline of study, one that I studied in college, philosophy, dedicated to wisdom, literally, philosophia, the love of wisdom. Seneca said it this way, wisdom is the perfect good of the human mind. Aristotle, knowing yourself is the beginning of wisdom, and I love Socrates, who said the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. The ancients believed that wisdom was much more than intellect. They believed that wisdom is a skill. It's not just what you think, but it's what you do. It's about not just knowing the right things, it's doing the right things. Now, so much of that is true, but the problem with a worldly human understanding of wisdom is that it's elusive, that like they discovered in 2009, this old age truth that wisdom, it's like a dangling carrot, right, so it's always in front of us, if you could just know the right things, or read the right books, or listen to the right people, or live just long enough, maybe you too could become wise. But this is not the way that the Bible talks about wisdom. You see, the Bible talks about wisdom, yes, as a skill, but it's much deeper than that. In a word, the Bible describes wisdom as godliness, godliness. Our PCPC men's study this semester is studying the book of Proverbs. And this past Tuesday, Chad put it this way. Wisdom is the skill and the art of godly living. One of my seminary professors put it this way. He said, the wisdom that James, our study this morning, the wisdom that James is concerned with is tied up with the ability of the believer to live a life of faith. It is therefore not the wisdom of earthly success. It is the wisdom that bears the character of God. The wisdom that bears the character of God. See, in the Bible, wisdom is the ability to know God and to know his character and live a life in light of his character. To know his will and to live it out. It's it's the way that you would live. If you knew everything that God knew, that's wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to live out what was preached last week where James says that we should count it all joy when we encounter various trials. How do you do that? How do you do that? When you are facing trial, how do you count it joy? Well, you need wisdom for that. You need wisdom for that. That kind of wisdom, the wisdom that aligns our hearts and minds and our actions with the very character of God, that kind of wisdom you can't just earn. You can't study enough books. You can't just live long enough and try to get it. That kind of wisdom can only be given. And That kind of wisdom is graciously given to us, the gracious wisdom of God. And this gracious wisdom comes to us in three ways this morning, three ways that James will describe how do we get this kind of gracious wisdom. The first, wisdom comes through prayer. Second, wisdom begins with faith. And third, wisdom ends in worship. This morning, I want you to know this. Wisdom is the grace given ability to both know and live the character of God and the only way we can have wisdom like that is for God to graciously give it to us the first way that he does this wisdom comes through prayer look with me verse five James 1 verse five James says, if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask God and who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him so first James writes if any of you lacks wisdom and and I think that what James is doing here is he's making two rhetorical assumptions first there is such a thing as the wisdom of God and second you don't have it all right there is wisdom and, and you are not wise and I know this because he's saying if any of you lacks wisdom he's assuming that all of us will identify with that right that All of us, as he's writing this, will say, yes, that is me. I lack wisdom. But later in chapter 3, James again, he asks this question. James 3, verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Again, it's a rhetorical device, a rhetorical question. He knows the answer. Who is wise among you? No one. None of us. No one here. Is wise. Every single one of us lacks wisdom. And we know this. We know this because of experience. For us to be honest this morning about where we are, the questions that we have, the decisions that we face, mistakes that we've made in the past, all of these things would lead us to be honest to say, we lack wisdom. Right, We don't always know the right thing to do or what we should have done. I mean, the fact that we have regrets at all shows that we didn't have the foresight. We couldn't have possibly had the wisdom to anticipate all that we could have done. Maybe even just the wisdom to know, God, why are you doing this? Why would you do it this way? I would not have chosen this path. Why? All of us lack wisdom. But we know this not just because of experience, but because of where wisdom comes from. You see, wisdom does not come from us. It's not a merely human trait. It's not something that we could learn in books or earn on our own or just gain through life experience. No, wisdom comes from God. It is God-given. And there is no one besides him no one besides him who is truly wise. Andrew just sang, we sang with him, Romans 11. Oh, the depth and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. How vast is God's wisdom. How deep. What he knows, what he perceives, and not just what he knows, but that all that he does in his will is perfect. Perfect knowledge, perfect will. It's wisdom. God alone is wise. He is the source of all wisdom. And there is nothing that we can do on our own. No path of intellect or reason or book that we could read to try to discern his wisdom. We can't do it not on our own. And this drives us crazy, doesn't it? We we do it all the time. When something happens, we wonder, God, where are you? How is this wise? How is this wisdom? Or maybe it could be a piece of theology. I remember for me, I was a new believer and struggling with something that we probably all struggle with, the doctrine of predestination. Perhaps you're struggling with that this morning. And you're trying to wrap your mind around that kind of wisdom. God, how does this work? The wisdom of God in salvation. I remember struggling with that, joking even, almost making a mockery of it truthfully with my roommate, hitting him on the shoulder and say, well, did God predestine me to do that? Maybe it's not my fault or maybe it was a choice. What we were doing in that moment is, was just so big for us, so big for us, We were wrestling, wrestling with the wisdom of God. Proverbs puts it this way, Proverbs 30. The oracle says, the man declares, I'm weary, O God. I'm weary and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I the knowledge of the Holy One. Proverbs is describing a man who's trying to figure out on his own the wisdom of God. And he's worn out. He is tired. And he realizes, I can't do it. And so what do we do? All right, James, there is wisdom, and we are not wise. Now what? Well, James tells us, pray. Pray. James tells us to pray. If any of you lacks wisdom, James says, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Yes, it is true that all of us lack wisdom, but James is telling us something. He's saying that yes, there is wisdom and wisdom can be had. No, you cannot earn it. You cannot think your way towards it. It will drive you crazy. But it can be given, given for all those who ask. Do any of you lack wisdom? Pray. So I wonder, do you pray for wisdom? Do you ask God, God, grant me wisdom? Or do you rely on yourself? Because if you continue to rely on yourself, not only will it be fruitless, but it could drive you crazy. The great G.K. Chesterton put it this way in Orthodoxy, really a, a great book about wisdom. He said, our mental ruin has been wrought by wild reason, not by wild imagination, A man does not go mad because he makes a statue a mile high, but he may go mad by thinking it out in square inches. What is he saying? It's one thing to fathom the mind of God, to worship in faith, to to perceive it, to read in the scriptures and to behold all that it is. It's another thing to try to figure it all out. You can't do it. That kind of wisdom can only be given to us graciously by God himself. Proverbs 2, verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Who does he give wisdom to? To those who ask for it in prayer. 2 Chronicles tells the story of Solomon, regarded as the wisest of men. Why was he wise? Because God came to him and said, Solomon, ask whatever you want, and I will give it to you. And what do you think he asked for? Wisdom. He prayed for wisdom. And Chronicles tells us that God made him wise. Wisdom is a gift. A gift given to us generously and graciously by our God. But it's a gift that comes in two other ways. Not just through prayer, but it begins with faith. Wisdom begins with faith. Look with me, verse six. James says, let him ask in faith. Let the one who prays for wisdom, don't just pray, but pray in faith, James says. Why? Because the one who doubts is like a wave of a sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. James is qualifying our prayer. He's saying, pray, but pray in faith. What does wisdom have to do with faith? I believe that wisdom is actually closer to faith than it is to knowledge. Has more to do with what we believe here than just knowledge and intellect. It doesn't mean that we can't know things or that our faith can't be reasonable. But wisdom is more like faith expressed. Faith lived out. Let me show you what I mean. James, he says, the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea driven and tossed by the wind. I think it's interesting that he chooses this picture because I think it's a picture that he actually lived. The gospel of Mark chapter four. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with them in the boat just as he was, other boats were with them. And great windstorm arose and waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern. Jesus was asleep on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and they said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said, why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? See, in that moment, the disciples relied on their knowledge. Experienced seamen, men who were well acquainted with the sea and what would happen when storms would come. And because they had that experience, they knew what they were seeing with their eyes and with the knowledge that they had that they were going to die. And so what they had in knowledge, they lacked in wisdom. The wisdom to that though what they saw with their eyes and what they knew in their heads, the wisdom to be able to see that though that is true, Jesus, their leader is asleep on a cushion and he is not afraid. The wisdom to be able to trust him and not themselves. It takes wisdom for that. Many of you know my story, at least parts of it. Though I grew up in church, I was not always a Christian. I rejected the church, but not only did I reject the church, I also had several years where I struggled with doubt. I struggled. I wanted God to just prove it, prove that you exist. Like Thomas, just show me, show me something I can see with my eyes and then maybe I will believe. And it wasn't until I realized that I can't prove the existence of God and I can't disprove the existence of God that it's something altogether different. It's faith. Faith, what the writer of Hebrews describes, assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. How can you see with eyes of faith? It takes wisdom for that. Wisdom to see what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. It turns the world upside down. Things that seem foolish are now wise. Things that are wise, we used to think were foolish. Think about it this way. The Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who are persecuted. How could we possibly look at any of those things, meekness, persecution, poverty in spirit, and think that is what the blessed life looks like? takes wisdom for that. The wisdom that comes beginning with faith. Our wisdom comes through prayer, begins with faith, ultimately it ends with worship. Lastly this morning, verse seven, James says that person, the person who doubts, must not suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord. So it's a warning. He says, if you pray with doubt, don't, don't fool yourself. He's not going to answer your prayer. So on one hand, he's saying, if you lack wisdom, just pray and God will give it to you. But he's also saying, if you pray with doubt, don't expect him to give it to you. Why? He says, because of this. That person who doubts is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You see, this is the genius of James here in this one little section He uses two words that don't exist in the New Testament anywhere else. And in fact, this word right here, double-minded, doesn't even exist in the Greek language. He made it up. The true poet that he is literally means double-souled. That if you doubt, you are a two-souled man, a two-souled woman. Your heart has been divided into two or three or four or five. Divided because I believe that our doubt has much more to do with faith than we realize. You see, when we doubt, it's not because we just lack faith in God. It's because we have faith in so many other things. And so for the Christian this morning, if you walk into this place with doubts, whatever it is that you face, it's not just that you are lacking faith, but that you are placing your faith in something else. And we worship all kinds of things, don't we? Good things, wonderful things, even gifts from God. But it's possible to worship our children or a spouse or a loved one or a girlfriend or boyfriend. It's possible to worship success or money, to worship other people, to worship ourselves. And when we face struggle, when we face trial, we will always turn to what we worship to rescue us. The problem is that all of the things that we worship other than God will ultimately destroy us. If that's what we put our hope in. Here James is saying, the doubter is a two-souled man. He's placed his heart not only on God but on other things. And so what does it look like to have the kind of wisdom to worship him alone? James tells us, I want you to turn back and look at verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. And this word generously, again, appears nowhere else in the Bible. And it's a word that literally means not just generosity, but singly. In other words, that God would give without giving it a second thought, that God gives to us single mindedly. It's a wordplay. God who gives to us single-mindedly even though we are double-minded with our doubt. And so this morning, if you have doubts, there is grace for you because your God delights to give to you generously, graciously, single-mindedly even though you are divided, even though you are double-minded. And there is no greater picture of this kind of single-minded devotion for us. The wisdom of God displayed in single-mindedness in the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who Paul describes as the wisdom of God. Jesus, the wisdom of God personified the gracious wisdom of God given to us, incarnate for us in Jesus Christ. This is how Paul puts it. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20. He asks, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks demand wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. To those who are called, both the Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom God shows what is folly, what is utter foolishness. It's absurd. The cross of Jesus Christ, an instrument of shame and punishment and condemnation. That our Savior did not come with a fist and a sword, but he came to lay his life down. And he turned the world upside down. How can you possibly comprehend what he did on the cross for us only by the gracious wisdom of God? That what seems like foolishness is the greatest display of wisdom the world has ever seen. What seems like complete weakness that Christ was arrested and tortured and beaten and spit on and scoffed at and he died and he bore our sin and he rose again, that kind of weakness would be the very power of God that redeems us and saves us. Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God, and the power of the cross. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask now that you would grant to us wisdom. That you would graciously, generously, single-mindedly give us wisdom. And though all of us in this room recognize, we bring with us a double-mindedness. Our minds are on multiple things. Not just you, but others. Other things that we look to, hoping that would rescue us. We pray, God, that you would grant us faith. And that now, you would also grant us worship. That the one thing that we could possibly do is we comprehend the wisdom, your wisdom, in sending to us Jesus Christ, is that we would worship you, that we would respond with gratitude. And so with that that we pray, in the strong name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen.